This is the Top Agents Playbook Podcast, episode 44. Welcome to the Top Agents Playbook Podcast, the very best tips, tools, and ideas from real estate's top performers. Now, here's your host, Ray Wood. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I'm walking the beach at Veradero, Cuba, which is about two hours from Havana. Now, my Canadian listeners will be familiar with Cuba, I'm sure, because Canadians are the number one uh, people or nationality that, that visit Cuba, and Cuba relies not exclusively but for a large part on tourism for uh, any income. So I'm walking the beach. It is a stunning day. I'm on a, uh, Christine and I are taking a little vacation, and we are, I think, day seven into a 10-day break, and they have here, this will be, my Australian listeners will be interested in this, and my Kiwi listeners as well, because we don't have this uh, down where we are, but here they have what's called all-inclusive holidays, and for a set, of, a set amount of money, depending on the resort and the time, but for a set amount of money, you can purchase what's called an all-inclusive holiday, which is airfare, accommodation, all food, all booze for, well, we did 10 days and we paid, I think we paid about 2200 Canadian. But you can get terrific holidays right through the Caribbean, uh, Mexico, some fantastic resorts, literally hundreds of resorts on offer. And you can buy these all-inclusive packages. So when uh, my Australian friends are coming to, to North America for a vacation, it's, I mean, this is April, it's a beautiful time of year, and I'm reminded of the uh, Dragon song from my uh, misspent youth in the 70s, April Sun in Cuba, which was one of our, when we played in the band, that was one of our favourite songs to play. Uh, in any case, uh, just a fantastic spot. Yesterday we went down to Havana, uh, we had a drink in Hemingway's bar where the writer Ernest Hemingway used to spend most of his time drinking and thinking. Uh, and, um, yeah, but judging by the photos, I think he liked to drink. Uh, anyway, we checked out Havana. We checked out old Havana. And we hired a terrific a, a lady who was our guide. She spoke terrific English, and she knew all the places to go. I bought a box of cigars wholesale. Uh, Cohiba cigars. I don't even smoke cigars, but I'm going to give them away to friends. And um, we just had the best time. When we went for lunch, uh, I said, where are we going for lunch? And she said, oh, we're going to this uh, place. You'll really like it. So we've arrived at the front door of this restaurant down this grotty, grimy street in old Havana. And uh, I said, are you sure this is it? Anyway, we went up a couple of flights of stairs and it opened up into this magnificent, just fantastic old Cuban, uh, full, of, full of locals, no, hardly any tourists there. So we were really, really impressed to be included in such a, such a great uh, Cuban and Havana dining experience, I guess. So anyway, lots of magical things. Uh, old Havana was something to see, lots of markets and amazing poverty, just abject poverty everywhere. Um, anyway, I guess uh, that's uh, what happens down here, but a terrific spot. One of the uh, 
big things that uh, we did yesterday that was fun was that we were driven up in a 1952 Chevrolet. I'm including a photo in the show notes of Christine and I in the car, or getting in the car, and that was a lot of fun. So our driver, Javier, uh, and our guide took uh, took us up to Havana, so that was pretty awesome. So anyway, today's podcast, or this, uh, this episode, features a, how do I describe Dan Norris? Firstly, I'd describe him, I guess, as an entrepreneur. Uh, Dan heads up a company called WPCurve.com. That's WPCurve, C-U-R-V-E.com. And WPCurve is a business that helps people who use WordPress sites uh, m- maintain their sites and, and they provide support and tech knowledge for people who use, who use those sites, uh, who use WordPress sites. There's a huge pelican just flying by me at the moment and he's just dived in the water and he has... Oh, he's eating something, I think. Maybe a crab or a fish. Anyway, I digress. So, yeah, Dan heads up WP Curve, or with a partner. Uh, and... Uh, so firstly, he's an entrepreneur. Secondly, I'd say he is a writer, and uh, he's written a couple of books, but his latest book is a book called Content Machine, and in Content Machine, Dan digs very deep into the art of both creating and supplying and using content. Those of you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk will probably be familiar with Gary's book, Jab, 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 Right Hook. So... The whole jab, 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 right hook philosophy is you need to give, give, give before you ask for anything. In other words, before you try and sell a product, you need to be able to offer something uh, up front. And I think there's some awesome um, parallels here with real estate and what we can be doing to engage our clients and enhance the whole experience. Of, uh, of forging and maintaining these, these relationships that we want to have with our people. So um, anyway, I, I really enjoyed talking to, to Dan. He's a Brisbane boy, uh, fantastic uh, writer, full of information. I'd suggest you grab a copy of the book. In fact, if you listen to the end of this, end of this interview, I'm going to show you how I can get you a copy for free. So... In fact, go to the show notes for this episode and I'll show you how you can get a free copy of Dan's latest book, Content Machine. So I've got 25 to give away. Uh, They are set and ready to go. So all you need to do is go to the show notes and then check out how you can get a copy of of, uh, Dan Norris's latest book, Content Machine. Okay, let's do it. Well, Dan Norris, welcome to the Top Agents Playbook Podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Uh, Well, thank you for setting aside some time and... uh, um, one of the things that I agreed to do, you've just written a book called Content Machine, which I've read. I'm actually into the second reading of it because there's so much awesome content, which is perfect for a content book, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, what, I've, what I've offered to do, I'll just put this right out front so people can um, work this out. Uh, when we get to the end of the podcast, I'm going to show you, or, or if you're listening to this, show you how you can grab a copy of Dan's books. I've got 25 books to give away, Content Machine. It's an awesome book. You're going to love it. Uh, and I've got some free copies that I'm going to mail to you. So stay tuned to this podcast and uh, we'll check it out. So that's the uh, housekeeping out of the way. Dan, um, your backstory, I-, I want to tell you how I first heard about how you came up with your business concept, WP Curve. So you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, the business that you were doing wasn't doing the numbers that 
you wanted. So one day you're at a miniature animal farm and you come up with the idea of starting a business <laughs> that supports people who need help with their WordPress websites. Am I kind of right? Yeah, yeah that's right. I've, so I've, I've told this story a few times. When I first was telling the story, I used to tell people I was at a miniature animal farm and then I kind of stopped telling that part of the story because I think it just weirded people out. But uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe your audience would be into that aspect of it. I don't know. But well, um, yeah. Too late now. It's out there. Right. Um, yeah, but but uh, thank you so much for buying the books. Um, uh, that's the first time that's ever happened to me. So it was oh, it was kind of it's uh, my pleasure. I'm I'm a big supporter of anything that I think is going to help real estate professionals. And uh, um, you know, a friend of mine, Melanie Pache, I'll say out front from Toronto, um, who's a big fan of yours, she said you've got to check this book out. But she said uh, make sure you don't tell anybody about it because it's uh, it's my secret. It's my secret source. So um, so sorry, well, Mel. That's cool. She uh, she reached out to me on Facebook after because I po- I posted a thing after you sent me the email about you buying the books and she sent me a message saying that she was the one who that's um, right told told you about me. So that, yeah, that's correct. really cool. But I, th- yeah. I think it's actually good because I talk in the book about some of the ways that I've applied this uh, kind of content marketing thing to businesses that aren't online businesses. And th- there's a lot of a lot of information out there about how to do online business. There's not a whole lot of information about how to use some of the online business skills and techniques in offline businesses. Sure. And I've always thought that, that would be a really powerful thing to do. And I had the opportunity to test that for myself with a brewery that I'm, I'm building. Um, and even to this day, I, I just get amazed at, at the power of what we're doing um, in the offline world. Um, last night, we did a talk for a bunch of entrepreneurs, a bunch of sort of budding homebrew entrepreneurs in Brisbane. And um, the amount of people that came up to us afterwards and told us they listened to our podcast, we've we got a podcast called Operation Brewery and it breaks down like everything that we're doing to launch this brewery. Yep. Um, and, you know, we're not getting huge download numbers. So like me with my internet marketing, online marketing hat on, I sort of think it's it's not a massive thing we're doing. But when you go to an event like that and you see, you know, 10, 15, 20 people come up to you afterwards and, and tell you that they listen to your podcast and they love it and they feel like they know you, and they know your story and they've heard of your brand and they're buying and they're drinking your beer, I mean, yep. you know you're having real impact with what you're doing. Yep, yep. And uh, the brewery is called Black Hops Brewery, I should tell everybody. How can uh, What's the URL for that? Where can people learn more about that while we're talking about it? Yeah, well, I mean, if, if you're into podcasts, then then you can just find in the podcast app. But blackhops.com.au is, is the location for all the content we're doing. It's not going to be super uh, actionable for real estate professionals, but I think it is a good – it's a really good way to think. I think if you're in a, an offline – more traditional um, sort of environment and, and market, you're, you're just you're presented with a once in a lifetime opportunity. I think a, a situation where these techniques and ideas that there's so much good information about how to do this. Yep. yep. There's no excuses anymore, and but you're still in a situation where the majority of people in your market don't get it. Yeah. And and for for me as like an online marketing person for the last ten years. I've never been in that situation. I've always had to fight against uh, competitors who are very, very, very good at this. Um, in the offline business world, you're fighting against competitors who have absolutely no clue about this. So if yeah. you're listening to this podcast, then you're already miles ahead of everyone and, and you've got an opportunity to really embrace this kind of new way of communicating with people and helping people um, that that your competitors aren't going to clue on to for a while. Absolutely, absolutely. If you're first into the space, uh, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit there and, and that certainly applies in, in the real estate industry. So you're, the whole Black Hops thing is is pretty cool and, and the podcast, and, that, and, and that's an interesting example right there, Dan, because 
you have established these relationships and those people, it's like you talk about in your book when you uh, give something, some, when you give somebody something to try and it works, you've established sort of incredible levels of trust uh, and that is just like that, that, I guess it's no longer the new frontier in business, it's just that uh, so many people don't do it. I think it's really just the way the way it works now, you know, it's it's the way people communicate. People people don't really pay attention to advertising anymore. Like you walk around the mall, and you just see people staring at their phones. You yeah. know, um, I think I think if you want to build a brand and you want people to trust you, you want want them to get to know your brand. It's it's really it's it's the way you do it now. It's it's how people communicate. Things like Snapchat, Instagram, um, having podcasts, doing content. In, a, in any market, you know, it used, to, it used to be that sort of like only young people were on Facebook. Now it's, now it's like everyone's on Facebook. Young people are on every other app. Yeah. Um, and it's like this, this basic kind of concept of, you know, creating a bunch of content, putting it out on social media channels, um, you know, building trust with your audience. This is something that has existed for years and years and years. And now it's just, it's just the way business is done to me now. And I think if you're starting a business where you're not thinking about this stuff and, and you're thinking, you know, I'll have advertising yellow pages or I'll take out banner ads, um, I think you're going to be in trouble. It's, it's, it's no longer like uh, eventually people, people, someone in your market is going to become the person that everyone trusts for all this information. Yep. I think if you're in a traditional market, you have the, the opportunity now to be that person. But before too long, th- that opportunity will be gone. Yeah. Um, and if you're in a more online market like I am with something like WP Curve or with my seven-day startup um, entrepreneurs community, like that opportunity has gone. It's now, it's now like really pushing, like really pushing the boundaries on what sort of content you can do, how much you can give away, you know, how much money you can spend. You know, people are writing books like proper hardcover books and giving them away free plus shipping just to get people in their funnel. Yep. Um, and you know, putting tens of thousands of dollars into design for sites and eBooks j- that they just give away, yeah. um, j- just to get people's email address. Like that's a level of sophistication. Giving away software—that's a level of sophistication. Some of the markets are at, but in more traditional markets, there's still still a really good opportunity there. I mean, in every market, there's a really good opportunity, but it's just a case of of how easy it's going to be. And, and I like the Black Ops example because what we've done is not really anything all that unusual to me. Like it's really just telling our story. And putting out a bunch of content around topics that would be interested to people who were where we were a year or two ago, and that's really quite basic. You can do that in any industry, and if you do it in an industry like brewing or like real estate, where other people aren't doing it that well, then then you're going to stand out. And and the, the key I talk about it in Content Machine a lot is is differentiation. Like how how are you going to get noticed? That's that's the first step. Is how do you get noticed? And if Black Ops was an online business. We we wouldn't have been noticed because you know doing blog posts, telling your story, doing a podcast, talking about what you're up to is not enough these days in, in online business. That's not enough to get attention. People have been doing much more than that for years. But um, for for the brewery industry, it's actually quite new. Like we go we go to these events, and um, people tell us there's no other podcast like this, and and they tell us that you know the transparency of the information we're revealing is really unique, and and they couldn't get that information elsewhere. And when we go into Google and look for information on starting a brewery it, before there was nothing and now it's it's our site that's rank outranking everything and so we know that's enough to get that differentiation um so that's what you need to be thinking about i think is is how 
how like why are people going to want to consume what you're putting out and is it actually different to to what they can get already yeah well let's talk about that for a sec because in in your new book content machine you divide you you define great content as something and i've written this down and you can tell i'm reading (laughs) as something you provide to your audience that captures their attention and encourages them to engage and share can you give us can you i guess you've already given us an example with that i I was actually thinking back in the early days when I first started reading um, uh, uh, or listening to Pat Flynn's uh, blog, um, podcast, uh, Smart yep. Passive Income, which, which you've been a featured guest on, which was a, a fantastic interview. And Pat would just give away so much like how to set up a blog, how to set, set up a blog, how to set up a podcast, um, all of the things. He even, he even shows uh, his monthly earnings from all these affiliate marketing relationships and, and everything like that. So... Yep. That, that kind of transparency I don't think had ever been had ever been uh, put out there uh, until he did it. That's right and and because of that um, he's really sort of paved the way for um, a, a, a standard of expectation in that industry that you really have to be quite good to stand out you know like 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 when I went on that show, I knew that I couldn't just go on that show and give people a bunch of WordPress tips because anyone could do that and Pat Flynn's audience is used to a lot better than that. So when I went on the show taking my content marketing hat, you know, how am I going to stand out? How am I going to deliver more value than the average guest? And so I, I volunteered to review uh, websites for people in his audience and I was yes. traveling at the time and, and it resulted in hundreds of websites. I think, th- I think that post has probably got 700 comments on it now of, wow. of websites I've reviewed. Um, and again, just because it's that in that market where people just expect so much for free, yeah. so much value before they'll trust you, that, that's what's required. But the good thing about your space is that's not really expected yet. No. Um, it will be. There's no doubt that it will be. At, at some point, you know, someone in every location is going to be the person that delivers all this value and that's going to raise the bar for everyone else. So ideally, it's someone in your audience that's, that's listening to this episode. One of the things you talk about in your book as well, which I was interested to uh, note because it's something I, I believe quite strongly, is that um, at the end of the day, real estate is not an exciting. It's not you know you, like we talk about the Red Bull uh, or you talk about the Red Bull videos and that sort of thing. Uh, real estate's not that exciting. So one of your examples or, or ideas, which I think is pretty cool, is to get away from the obvious and start talking about the people that are actually involved in it, um, and because. There's only, you know, like if, if you're posting blogs as a real estate agent, there's only so many photos of houses and descriptions that, that you can put up on your blog. That's right. I mean, for real estate, it just seems to me like there's so many opportunities to do stuff. Like like the, the biggest like elephant in the room that, that, that I think about when I think of real estate is like all these real estate agents are, and I don't know the, the specifics of the people in your audience, but but when I think of this industry, I think, all of these real estate agents are putting out content all the time, but it's all content that's self-serving. And it's not, it's not, it's content like brochures that are, you know, saying we just sold this house down the street. Um, and I get them in my mailbox all the time and they're not, even though I've got a, a sign on the front of it saying don't put anything in there that's not addressed to me. Um, oh, that's like but, a big target to us, mate, as real estate agents. Yeah. We love that, yep. Sorry. Yeah, but 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 why? Like, why is the information so self-serving? Like, the, to yes. me, like the absolute low-hanging fruit would be, you know, if you know that someone in the area is, is interested, or someone on your list is interested in, in buying in that area, then it's just an absolute no-brainer to send them more information about exactly how much stuff has has sold for, um, 
and and the, the information around that, not the self serving information. Like like I think people think they're trying to people are trying to sell all the time. Yeah, and that's and that's not that's not what this is about. Like like if you want to build trust, you need to be doing the opposite of selling. There's a time and a place for selling, absolutely. Um, but it's like the Gary I got Gary V's new book in front of me, and he has the jab 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 right hook, which is just deliver value, deliver value, deliver value, and then and then it's sell, and then um. I think that the real estate market's got it all the other way. It's all completely self-serving. Everything I see from it is, you know, photos of real estate agents on bus stops and, you know, cars with personalized plates and, and letterbox drops with saying how good they are. This is not information that serves the consumer at all. So to me, it's like a massive low-hanging fruit that anyone in that industry can just flip, flip it around and just say, actually, I'm just going to put out a whole bunch of stuff that is valuable to people that's going to get them to trust me and then when it does come time for them to buy in the area or to sell in the area, um, then then I'm obviously going to be the person they think of. Yeah. Um, let's so it's let's dig let's let's that it's interesting that you're on that point, Dan. Let's uh, because that that's really exactly where I where I wanted to get to with this interview. Um, so where you had as a content marketer and as also a consumer of real estate right now, what kind of things? Would would engage you? Like I, I agree, you're getting all this. There's I call it the numbing sameness. There's the smiling faces on buses and 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 phone numbers to call, etc. What sort of stuff? You know, give, give us examples in in your view as a consumer. What would make you sit up and take notice uh, of communication from a real estate agent in your neighbourhood? Well, to be honest, there's probably a few ways I could answer this. The first way I would answer it is. Um, I'd be reluctant to give you any ideas about what's going to work well for your market because I think that takes the responsibility away from you to work out what is actually working well. Sure. And that's, and that's been a big lesson for me. It's you can assume what's going to um, – you, you can assume you know, something's going to work really well because someone else has made it work as much as you like, but that doesn't really give you that much of an indication of what is actually getting traction. You, yep. you need to pay attention to what is actually getting traction. Okay. Um, so I could list off a thousand things, whether or not that would work, I don't know. And, and I'm reluctant to do it for that reason. But, but what I will say is some, some problems are easier to solve than others. Like if I think about like, like the idea with content marketing is to build a community of people who are interested in the same thing and give them what they're interested in. Um, so if you think about that from a real estate point of view, you, if, if, you're interest, if you've got a community of people who are all interested in buying in the one area, that's a perfect example. That's an easy problem to solve because you can send them a lot of con. You know exactly what they want. I mean, what they want is they want to know how much other stuff is selling for in the area. They want to know what properties are coming up in the area. There's probably a whole bunch of content related to the area that you could give them um, that's going to help them and, and get them to trust you. Yep. Pretty easy problem to solve. Um, if you want to build an audience of people who want to buy in an area, I think that's a different scenario because um, I think those people are much harder to find um, I, I think, I, I think it, it really depends on who you're targeting for the content. Okay. So, you, you, so you, you could potentially target people who want to sell an area, people who want to buy an area. Um, it comes down to how easy you can get to the people and how easy you can understand what they need. So, so with the example I gave before, um, if, if you're kind of letterbox dropping in an area, you know, hoping that maybe the person will want to sell their house it's it's just not a very good way to get a group of people a group of people's attention on what you're doing because it's such a it's one in a thousand chance that, that that the person who reads that is actually going to be interested in selling their house yep um 
if you can get to the point where you're very good at collecting those groups separately. So say you're doing open houses in an area and you know the, the people are coming to the open houses, you start to build a bit of a funnel of people who are interested in buying in that area. Um, ideally, it's an ongoing problem too, by the way, because again, not every problem is unique. If, if, you're, if you're producing content for people who want to buy one thing in one area, that's going to be an ongoing challenge for you to fill that funnel. If you're, if you're targeting people who are, say, investors who are interested in buying certain types of properties in, in a broad area, um, and once they buy one property, they're, they're still going to be interested in buying another property, that's a much easier problem to solve because you can keep those people in your funnel. Yep. So you just need to con- constantly think about how are you getting the people into, into your audience or into your funnel um, and what, like, what, what do they, they, they actually want and what content can you give them that's actually going to help them get what they want? Yeah, I guess the best way to find out is to talk to... Uh talk to recent clients or talk to past clients as well. I mean, if you've got a good relationship there, they should be more than happy to tell you what they're looking for. Um, I, think, I think it's, to, to me, it's, um, it's always very difficult to ask people what they want. And I always re- remember the Steve Jobs quote. <laughs> I don't actually remember the specific quote, but, but something around... Um, they'll you know, people they'll know what they want when, when I give it to them or something like that. Correct, yeah. yeah. And, and there's obviously an obscene amount of arrogance in that um, which Steve Jobs, you'd probably expect that. But there's also a, a really harsh truth to that, which is a lesson I've learned in business a lot. People just don't know. You know, you can ask people as much as you want, but their, their, their words don't match their behavior. Yeah. So you really need to get good at, like I gave that example before of, um, you know, going to an event where you're talking to people. To me, like if we get 150 likes on an Instagram photo, that's one small piece of information. But if we go to an event and 10 people come up to us and specifically talk to us about the content we're doing, I can tell you 10 out of the 10 people are going to be talking about some sort of deeper content we're doing and none of them are going to be talking about the, the quote we just put up on Instagram. Yep. No, not to say, like you mentioned with the definition before, it's about, it's about getting attention and building trust. Um, the, the thinner content, like you know, getting your face out there, getting quotes on Instagram, getting a bit of a following on social media. That's generally pretty thin sort of content, although that's changing now with social media. Um, that stuff is good for attention, but for deep trust, the bigger content like the podcasts and the interviews and the, the bigger blog posts, the live streams, um, Snapchat videos where you're like deeply engaging with people, yep. that's the far more powerful content to do. And so you need to be on the lookout for the real behavior, not not um, – not the, you know, I got a thousand likes on a photo or I got a thousand downloads on my podcast. It, it's more like you know, how many people have actually told you this is something they really love, like this is, this is something that they've used in, in whatever they're doing. Um, how many people have, have come up to you in real life and, you know, told you something about what you're doing has resonated with them. Like that's like the deepest stuff that I think people should yeah. be paying attention yeah. to. There's well, that, probably so much stuff real estate guys can do, especially with social media. Something like Snapchat could just be huge. I mean, I think, again, just depending on whether you're trying to target buyers or sellers, like it's it's going to be huge. Everyone's going to be using it, I think. And real estate is so perfect for these things. Um, and live streaming like Periscope or Facebook Live auctions and stuff like that, there's just so many opportunities for using these these social media platforms, which I'm sure is is not happening all that much yet, um, but, but it definitely will. Not that I can see. Not that I can see at all. I mean, um, the, t- typically, as far as I, I think, you know, you talk about the power of content, and 
and that probably is the power of content when it goes to that to that deeper level. Um, one of the things you talked about when you uh, you know, back to when you did start your business, and and you said you'd you'd written hundreds of blogs, blogs that you felt didn't work, um, and then you started to write content that did work. Where was the change, Dan? What what do you think happened? I I honestly just was testing a lot of stuff. I was frustrated that I was writing a lot of content, and not a lot of it was having much of an impact. So I tried a bunch of things, um, and to me, the, the, actually, one thing really stood out. The thing that really changed was I wrote a podcasting guide that was like 3,000 words. It was super actionable, like the most detailed guide I could find on the internet about starting a podcast. And that was the one that really got traction. Um, And I think Pat Flynn had his podcast guide at the time, but there wasn't like a huge amount of that sort of content. And that's kind of when I decided that really putting a huge amount of work into one piece of really deep content was a much better way to spend my time than putting a small amount of work into hundreds of pieces of content. Yeah. And how often? Um, and okay, let's use the real estate example again because that's our that's our that's our crowd right here. Uh, how often should people be writing? How often should they be putting content out there? Um, it's it's always a difficult question to answer. I think part of me wants to say that the the uh, frequency of content doesn't matter too much, and and the quality is much more important. And I, I do say that, and and I do talk about that in the book. Um, but but I say that with a caveat of the way the world is changing now with the way people are communicating um, with apps like Instagram and Snapchat, it's, it's kind of imperative to put out a lot of content now. Like I, I think it, like the, the way our space is going, um, you look at someone like Gary Vee, we, we talked about before, like that guy is just putting out an obscene amount of content. Yep. And, and for me as someone who's, who's sort of trying to forge a, a, I guess a bit of a career and a reputation as a, as a kind of an online marketing entrepreneur type person, um, it's not okay for me to do one podcast a week and and one blog post a month, no matter how good it is. It's just it's just not okay because people just won't. I just won't have the attention that someone like Gary Vee has. Like like I, he, you just cannot possibly ignore him. Um, it's you know like I'm on Facebook and he's all over Facebook. I'm on YouTube, he's all over YouTube. I get on Snapchat, he's all over Snapchat. I get on Instagram and people are sharing his quotes. Yeah. Um, you get on podcasts and people are talking about you. You, you know you you look everywhere. The books everywhere. It's just it's just like. It's, it's undeniable and, and I'm not saying that's – I mean he's been doing it for 20 years and he's at that stage where he can do that. He's got a team um, th- that he can use to do that and so I'm not saying that's the way to go. I think for most people listening to this, the first step is working out like what can you do that people are actually going to really like and I'd be looking at those opportunities like the really obvious ones where, where there's lots of obvious secrets. Like one of the things I talk about the, 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 in the book is this idea of the whisperer who, who just sort of reveals the secrets that no one else will reveal in the industry. In real, real estate, there's just that massive one about, about what happened at an auction, like how much did a place sell for, like what happened when, when the contract fell through. There's so many of these little secrets that really don't need to be secrets. Like the buyers think they're secrets, but the real estate agents know it's just information that yeah. they could freely give. Um, but if you can weave it into a story as well, it's even more powerful. I think, yeah, if you can capture people. And, and again, these platforms are so so amazing for this like something like snapchat i mean i you know if i was looking to buy in an area and there was a real estate agent that was snapchatting auctions i mean i'd be all over that guy i'd be following that guy or or girl um or or if they were live streaming auctions i mean why are people doing that that's that's a no-brainer um so i think i I think i say so so i get that answer firstly because the first step is working out what content people really want um 
But once you know that, once you really know your core audience, I think that's then the opportunity to say, how much of this can I actually do? And how how deep into this investment am I prepared to go? Like for me personally, I've got three businesses. Uh, WP Curve has a full-time content writer. Um, Black Ops, you know, I'm one of three co-founders and my job is pretty much purely content. Seven-day startup is an entrepreneurship community that came out of my first book and my second one. Um, I'm about to employ their first, uh, my first staff member for that and that's a content person. Um, you know, I've set up an office with audio equipment for a couple of thousand dollars. I've, I've really gone deep on this content thing because I really believe in it. Yeah. Um, so it's the case for people listening to this, this audio. Um, how deep are they, how, how much of a gamble are they prepared to take that content marketing is going to be the thing that really helps them get attention and, and build their business yeah. um, or, or their, their career. Um, and I think it's just, to me, I'd be going all in. And, but, but I wouldn't be going all in until I'm very confident. I know the community of people that I'm creating content for and I know exactly what they want. Yeah. And, and once you know that, I mean, let's take the auction, auction thing, for example. Um, being, being the real estate agent at the auction and having a community, an audience of people who want to know what happens at that auction, let's just say you've established that that's what your people want. That is just a, a, an open invitation to me to live stream the auction on Facebook Live, um, Snapchat, ha- have your assistant Snapchat various key points in the auction, Snapchat the result at the end, put up a thing on Instagram saying the results, um, you know, write a blog post about what happened, you know, who turned up, um, go on every single platform, tweet, live tweet it. I mean, there's, to me, once you know the problem, once you know the community and once you're prepared to go all in on it, yeah. that's the open invitation to just blast every platform. But, yeah. but, but do it in a way that, that's not like I'm going to put exactly the same thing on five different platforms. That's not the way to do it. The, the way to do it is figure out how you can do content on each platform that is going to be in the format that people on that platform want. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the the open-air theatre of, of an auction is perfect for this and perfect where we're now in the age of live live streaming with um, Meerkat and, and Periscope and even Snapchat uh, where and 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 uh, with Facebook as well now, where all of this is happening with with live video and, and things like that. You made reference to Gary Vaynerchuk before, so I'll just quickly say uh, Gary was a guest on the show a couple of shows back, so you can check that out at uh, just uh, go into topagentsplaybook.com forward slash three nine. Um, well, I'll have to check that out myself because he's, I mean, the guy is a legend, and and if you're and and I think. I don't think Gary used to like use the words content marketing as much as I do. There's a lot of words for 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 what I do. Um, he he talks about content all the time now. He used to just kind of run that YouTube channel, um, like he was doing YouTube videos in in 2006 when when I didn't even know I, I didn't even know YouTube was around. Yeah. Um, yep. But what he was doing was content marketing. He probably didn't even know he was doing content marketing, but he was literally one of the pioneers of doing this and reaped enormous results from doing it. Um, and is still pretty much the guy like now, like the last year or two, because of these emerging platforms, he's just 
turned up as a thought leader on just about every one of these platforms. So he's he's definitely the guy to follow. Yeah, so you and I know who, who he is, but uh, it was interesting. So many of my crowd, they don't know who he is uh, and um, they're not in that space. So I guess I'm doing my best and with, with the help of people like yourself to, to help people understand that, you know, there are some thought leaders out there who are setting some great examples and, and literally telling us telling us what to do. Um, well, the best thing about Gary, the, well, the two things really um, – one is um, he he started in a traditional business, and that that give, would give people in your audience, um, you know, a lot of confidence. I think because there's a lot of online marketers out there, and there's a lot of shit in the online marketing space. Yep. Um, so I think I think people should be careful listening to every single online marketer about you know how to do it. But a guy like Gary has built a, a you know a multi million dollar offline business doing this yep. so i think that gives him an enormous amount of credibility um and the other thing is is he's still doing it he's not sort of talking about something he did 20 years ago he's still going deep on content and still be, like he's got a, a business that's doing 100 million dollars a year yep. um doing social media and content for other people so he's a real practitioner um who's just kind of pretty generously i think giving up his time like he's, he doesn't really i mean he goes hard on the book sales when he when he puts a book out but other than that um his content is all just kind of free and there's not really any upsells or anything. So I think he's, he's, just, he's pretty much just the guy, the guy to follow, especially for offline businesses. Well, as, as, he's, uh, as his name becomes and his voice becomes louder, I guess, um, more and more people will learn about, uh, you know, the $100 million company you talked about is VaynerMedia. I guess more and more people will learn about that. Uh, and, you know, that's his mission. Uh, in much the same way that that your mission with the awesome books you've written is driving traffic to WP Curve and and um, and the and the brewery Black Hops as well. So who came up with that name? That's a really good name. Yeah, no, it was good. It was um, we just it, it was a very cool the way we started. We just literally we had a conversation about making a beer. We made this beer in homebrew, um, and then I just got carried away because I you know because I've had businesses before and. You know, like as an entrepreneur, you you most people just kind of think this is a bit of fun. But to me, I I, I kind of saw that what we're doing that could be a little bit more. So at every step, we just kind of got carried away, and we we started brainstorming names, and we started designing labels, and all this kind of stuff, and and just a lot of back and forth. And we came up with the name Black Hops, and that actually all of that the name and and you know the marketing we did the attention we got all the content we did led to a lot of press, and that actually led to us brewing a beer with Call of Duty. Um, which is a world first and, you know, an awesome story that ended up all over the news and the, and the newspapers in Australia and all the gaming websites around the world and stuff. So it's just a cool story about how, you know, a bit of content and a bit of branding and a bit of press can really create something really good, you know, even in an offline business. Like we're not selling anything online, but um, it's just a great way to get people's attention and, and to build trust. Yeah. Um, and, and branding is a really key part of it too. So, Again, because I don't know a lot about your your market, I, I probably can't give anything specific. But if you're doing content, you know you, you do need to have a good brand. You do you do need to have a, a name and and a, a kind of a brand that people can relate to. Um, and so I think they kind of go hand in hand, and, and they also go hand in hand with press. We've got a lot of press, and I think uh, the reason for that is because we've been able to tell a good story, which is I guess the content marketing piece. Um, but we've also be able, been able to get other people to tell the story for us because it's it's out there and people have heard of it and, you know, one person writes about it and then another person writes about it and then we kind of have to think about, well, what's the next story? 
Um, you know, so first it was, you know, three guys starting some homebrew, thought they'd have a crack at doing a commercial beer and did one within two months. And then it was, you know, three guys who, who did one commercial beer, decided to build their own brewery and, and aim to do that within a year. And then it was, you know, th- three guys who didn't even have a brewery brewing a beer with the biggest uh, entertainment franchise on earth. And, yeah. and then it was, um, we did a crowdfunding campaign. So the story became, you know, we're going to be the first Australian brewery to launch via crowdfunding. And ev- every time you're doing content, you need to think about the story. If you're doing this style of content um, and if you can do that, you, you end up not, not only having to tell the story yourself, you end up having a lot of other people who are willing to tell the story for you. And that's when you get bulk attention. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what uh, that's what Gary V says he does, isn't he? He, get, he day trades attention, <laughs> which is exactly what what you've been doing with this. So, so congratulations. Um, I'm going to let you go. This has been a fascinating interview. Uh, I normally like to keep it around 30 minutes. We've already gone over. So, so thank you, Dan. Um, if you'd like to get yourself a copy of Dan's book, Content Machine, go to the show notes for this episode, and you'll find full instructions there. How you can message us. And we'll be back to you uh, with uh, instructions on how you can get your book. There's only 25 copies. Dan, thank you so much. Uh, It's been a blast. Thank you so much for your time and uh, good luck with everything. No worries, Ray. Thank you. I mean, I hope it's been useful to people in your audience. And and I'm on social media, Snapchat and Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at the Dan Norris, T-H-E Dan Norris. So feel free if you've got any specific questions to hit me up um, and just let me know what you're doing in the content space in the real estate industry. I'd really love to know what's happening. Okay. Well, I'm going to put those, I'm going to put those links up there in the show notes so people can uh, connect with you. That's an, that's an awesome offer. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, Ray. The Top Agents Playbook Podcast is proudly sponsored by Locked On, real estate's best software. For show notes from this episode, free downloads, your Locked On Discount for Life link, and Ray's blog, head over to topagentsplaybook.com.